Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Last full week of trading for 2022. As we know, markets are closed on Monday in observance of the Christmas holiday, which only gives us four trading days to finish out this trading year. Just another... I don't know. It's just kind of the quietness of the holiday trade that's going on as we head into this holiday break. We're going to take a look at some cross currents, um, some things that are happening within the markets. No surprise that South America has got a decent crop from the Brazil perspective, but there is the struggle going on in Argentina. We'll take a look at crush demand and also what's happening in the wheat supply along with a lot more. Joining us today is Todd Holtman. Todd, of course, is with DTN. So let's talk about the fact that we are headed into this holiday break. We've got one week, really the next two weeks of shortened holiday trade and the market i think kind of feels like it's already checked out <laughs> yeah uh, as is usual we had uh, quieter trading volume this week didn't really have any uh mischievous surprises which i think is always good news but here at the end of the week it was nice to see corn and wheat uh trade higher at the end of the week and, and uh, finish things out on an up note so as you look at it, you brought up the, the cross currents um, in the markets. You and I had had this conversation back um, during Husker Harvest Days, and things are still got that same kind of vibe that's going on. So let's talk about what cross currents means to our grain yeah, producers. Sure. We, we have two very different perspectives affecting the markets right now. And one I would call the trader's view, and it's uh, largely based on the headlines in the news and all the worries we hear about rising interest rates and, and possible recession in the economy. You can also throw in COVID concerns from China, which, uh, by the way, really ramped up this week. And uh, But those sorts of uh, kind of ongoing worries about the economy at large. Then on the other hand, when you look at the actual supplies of grain that are going to be available in the next several months ahead, we're at some of the tightest supplies in many years for corn, soybeans, and wheat altogether. We've had drought situations this year. Of course, we've had the war in Ukraine. And uh, just a host of factors that have really limited our production uh, the past year and are setting us up for a tight supply situation this winter. So that's fundamentally bullish. And normally we would expect higher prices to come out of that. I'd call it the more commercial view, I think has a more sober view that it's going to be difficult to see prices not trade higher the next several months. So. Saying that, how do we focus on on what's going to happen in these markets as we head into the new year and kind of have an idea, knowing the geopolitical world is still happening, to be able to market to the best of our ability? Yeah, I I think it's always important, Susan, really to keep your focus on the actual supplies because that's what it really all comes down to. When you know, when we had two billion bushel surpluses in corn. It was obvious that our supply, our prices were going to be under pressure and we could have a tough winter ahead. But that's not the case this year with corn, soybeans or wheat uh, here in the U.S. We have very tight supplies. And, and really, in my book, that trumps all the news headlines, all the things we worry about uh, in, in terms of the economy uh, and those sorts of things. Uh, because in the, at the end of the day, it's a matter of whether or not we have enough supply to meet demand or not. And right now we have uh, plenty of challenges. Does that make you nervous? Um, you know, not not bad. In the case of uh, uh, producers, of course, I think they're sitting in the driver's seat right now. The only threat of impending big supply on the horizon at the moment is Brazil's next soybean crop. And they'll be harvesting probably starting in late January or February. And that does look like they're going to have a big record crop 
they've had good uh, weather uh, overall so far. That's not to say there might not be some hiccups at uh, harvest time or things like that. We'll have to keep watching the weather situation uh, for Brazil. But that's probably going to be the next, what I would say, bearish challenge uh, to prices. In the case of corn and wheat, I think we have several months uh, that, that producers can stay pretty relaxed and let the market come to them. You talk about South America, and I want to look at Argentina first. I understand that there is some planting delays that continue for them, and even in parts of Brazil as well. Yes, correct. We just got an update from the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange yesterday. Uh, 52% of the corn crop is planted in uh, Argentina. Normally, they're past two-thirds planted at this point in time. On the soybeans, they're 61% planted, and normally they're three-fourths planted or better. Uh, at this time. And of course, both of those crops are getting very low, good to excellent ratings from the exchange right now. So it's just another confirmation of how dry and how difficult conditions have been for Argentina. But on the flip side of that, Brazil's been getting some decent rains, which could mean some bumper crops headed our way, unfortunately. Yes, for central and northern Brazil, it looks to be the traditional rainy season. I mean, we just see wave after wave of rain. Uh, week after week, and, and of course, that works well for their uh, crops in those soil conditions. Um, the southern tip of Brazil, uh, where maybe an eighth of the soybean crop is grown, uh, is where there's some dry weather concern. It's more in the climate of Argentina, and uh, there, there may be some production loss there, but overall, we're looking for a, a very large 5.6 billion bushel uh, Brazilian crop at this time, and as you can imagine, that'll probably put us out of the export business for several months. Having said that, if our dollar should fluctuate, could there be some possibilities or is it still going to just be solely focused on South America? Yeah, you know, there's one of the outside concerns where traders can get nervous about. But the funny thing about the dollar is, uh, is that it really, it well, it does play a part in the wheat market. It doesn't really have so much impact on our corn and soybean prices. And the reason is, because our main competition is with Brazil. And if you compare the U.S. dollar to Brazil's currency, the real, both of those currencies have actually stayed fairly even throughout uh, the past six or seven months. So it's just not the same situation there. We don't, it, we're not having a currency battle with Brazil at the moment, and that's somewhat good news. All right, well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue with this Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We come back, we'll continue to take a look at what's happening in this grain complex and a purchase with Mexico. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading-volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue our conversation with Todd Holtman. Todd, of course, with DTN. And as we look, uh, we were talking about uh, the soybean crop coming out of Brazil. Let's look at the crush demand. How is that looking right now for us? You know, this has just been a stellar year for soybean processors, Susan. Uh, wasn't that long ago we heard about third quarter earnings from Archer Daniels, and they reported over a billion dollars in third quarter earnings. It was the best third quarter they've ever had. 
and it was largely due to the crush margins that uh, we're receiving. This, um, it, the story continues to be the increased use of soybean oil for renewable diesel has brought new value to the soybean market. Uh, the crush incentives uh, we've never seen as good as what we're seeing this year. Um, typically, uh, if we look at the futures contracts and just the difference between what you get between crushed and uncrushed soybeans, in, in past years, that would be around a dollar and a half a bushel, maybe $2 if things were really good. Well, this year we've been consistently at two and a half to $3 and higher uh, on that futures pricing. So just continues to be a, a, a remarkable uh, success story. Uh, some hesitate, some don't like me to say that uh, it's it's almost like the second ethanol boom, but in terms of giving soybean, the soybean crop a new demand market, it really has been wonderful. And uh, it's done a lot to support those soybean prices this year. Especially when we've seen the expansion that we've seen in the Midwest when it comes to, to livestock, both from a poultry and a pork perspective. Yes. And, um, you know, the, the meal side of things are staying uh, very strong in spite of all the, the problems we're hearing about bird flu again this year. And uh, I, I get it. That's a concern. But boy, in this particular market where our overall soybean supplies are already low, uh, the, the demand for meal that we do have is holding up that side of the market uh, very well uh, also. So combine that with an economy that continues really to outperform and treat livestock prices uh, and retail demand fairly well at the retail counter. And that's been really good news this year for both feed markets. Look at uh, Export Wire. Um, I know that there's been some talks just in the last week between the United States and Mexico when it comes to GMO possibilities in 2024. But it's still nice to see that Mexico is still buying corn from the United States. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to think if I was a livestock producer in Mexico, I'd be very concerned, of course. And uh, maybe it's encouraging that the government acts like they're going to allow uh, GMO corn for livestock feed, which is the real important part uh, of all that. So um, that we'll continue to see how the governments negotiate that. But obviously, Mexico is a, a big source of uh, uh, demand for us here in the U.S. And, and a partner we don't want to lose. What about the unknowns uh, for the soybeans that came in as well today? Is that China or is there speculations of who it might be? Well, there, um, China is always your first suspect. Um, but they aren't the only uh, soybean buyer around the world. So I leave the door a bit open on that. I will say, I think the good news in regards to China is even though we're hearing horrendous things about the spread of COVID, especially this week, uh, talking about just, you know, an amazing number of new large cases hitting the country. I have not yet seen it showed up in the soybean prices that we see on the Dalian exchange. And if there was a real demand problem for soybeans, we would expect it to show up there. And it just hasn't yet. There is a, a significant drop off in their price expectations after Brazil's big crop comes due in early 2023. We're looking at a May contract price in China that's 10% less than the, the current January price. So that, that will be a bearish factor uh, that we're well aware of. But as far as problems in China's economy itself, I, I always say COVID or no COVID, you still have to keep eating. And it looks like they are so far. 
Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, weather yeah, before we started this with some tough days for these cattle guys. Um, as you talk with, with other folks at DTN, your livestock side of it, what's the feel out there for the way the market is and isn't reacting to this storm system moving through the U.S.? Yeah, well, I, there is no doubt that we have a tight situation of available cattle. And for the first time in a long time, packers are being stressed uh, in the prices that they're having to pay for cattle. Uh, that's that's the good news The concern for cattle producers. The, the other side of the coin we're concerned about moving forward is, are uh, packers going to be able to keep that slaughter pace going? Uh, there's been a little slowing. Uh, recently, and of course, part of that part of that's going to be weather related, and part of the lower slaughter is going to be holiday related. But uh, will they keep the more active slaughter pace going after the first of the year, or will they try to rein that back in an effort to get more profitable again? You know, uh, of course, uh, the more active the pace, uh, the more stress there's going to be in trying to bid up to obtain those cattle. So I think that's where the real struggle and, and wrestling match is going to be in the months ahead. All right. Sounds good. Todd, what's the best way for folks to, to get a hold of you or have more conversations? Sure. Well, my email is simple. Uh, my name, Todd.Holtman at DTN.com. Glad to talk. Thanks, Todd. Of course, want to remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. Merry Christmas. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the World Radio Network.